Greetings, children, and dare you step inside the vegan abattoir. I'm Kevin Smith. And I'm Harley Quinn Smith. Yeah, we're doing it again, man. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> we kept going for three, and now we finally arrived now at four. we're back. <laughs> um, when we last met, you know, uh, or recorded, we should say, um, you were but a child. <laughs> now you're a, a fucking adult. You're 21. I am. Vegan and 21. What's that like? Um, the world is mine. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> be mine once I get out of quarantine. Such a stark difference from being home as twenty and being home as twenty-one. <laughs> it's been a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, man, what a difference. Um, how did you celebrate your twenty-first birthday? My boyfriend and I, Austin, mm-hmm. <laughs> went to the Surfrider Hotel in Malibu. For the weekend. It was quite lovely. Um, th- Just you two. Mm-hmm. Well, you're an adult. I can't say anything. <laughs> Olivia and Anthony were there for one night. You had friends with you? For one night. And then you're like, get out. Maybe. Get out. It's my birthday. <laughs> I'm old enough to do anything. <laughs> Maybe. Vote, drink. <laughs> Motherfucking drink. You can go to a weed store now. I know. Look how excited you are! Holy shit! Oh shit! I wish this was a video podcast. They would, you would have instantly become a meme or Did a I gift. Give myself away. <laughs> like I know. You're like Lucille Bluth when she gets excited and waves her hands. Like, but I just, when that occurred to me, when that struck me, mm. my mind was blown. I was like, holy shit! My dad doesn't have to buy me weed. That's true. That's true. I've been doing it but since you were a child. You're, more, you're since welcome she was six, to. I would bring her to the weed store and be like, you pick out any strain you want. Pebble gum kush. Here you go. <laughs> Chew on that. Basically. Um, yes, adult. So weird to witness somebody's whole existence so far. My, most people I'm friends with or I hang with and shit. Like, I missed the first few acts of the movie, right? Like, I missed the True. first fucking act of <gasps> wow of Schwabach's entire movie. Like, And she missed the whole first act of mine. You got to remember, I made Clerks, Mallrats, and Chasing Amy. Then I met your mother. Like, I had a whole fucking existence. And wow. she had a whole fucking existence. And then we fucking met. So there's a bunch of her life that I only know from the story she tells. Um, she's like, you want to know all the dudes I fucked in high school? I'm like, no! Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but your life I've seen from the moment you come out the shoot I was the first one to see your face between me and your mother doctor might have seen you before I did but probably not because we were standing in the right place um, <laughs> uh, I've seen your uh, hopefully I don't see your entire existence but I've seen your existence thus far so 21 years like you know it sounds so fucking cliche but like really went by in a blink it feels like it <laughs> has, has it felt like 21 years for you or has it felt fast no it's it's felt so fast i can't believe i'm 21 it feels right? so weird yeah it didn't life didn't feel long to you no man fucking my childhood felt long I was like, when is this fucker gonna be over so i can fucking make clerks <laughs> god damn it <laughs> Um, like counting down the days on the I was. wall. Like, what is clerk? Like, You'll see. And then I'll never stop talking about it. Um, You'll see. That's so threatening. <laughs> You'll fucking see. Um, man, oh man, uh, it, it is. Uh, it's been. It's been a minute. Like twenty-one years is a like to watch somebody go from like you know helpless like. 
drooling and shit, laying on a bassinet to like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, high as fuck laying on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you're referring to. <laughs> you would if you saw her reaction to, you can go into weed store. I know. <laughs> um also as you turn 21 um and through a weird series of circumstances you um and your boyfriend are on a tbs show (laughs) how'd that happen how did that happen (laughs) um we've been doing a celebrity show off it's so weird how did that no i'm sorry oh exactly how it happened Yeah. <laughs> More specifically, how did Nan and Pa become icons on, on TBS? <laughs> um, for those who have not been paying attention or watching or don't aren't aware, uh, we there's a TV show on TBS called Celebrity Show Off, um, where the idea is they get some quote unquote celebrities. And when I'm in the mix, you know it ain't fucking a list and shit. <laughs> but um, they get some cats, and we're all stuck at home. So you give them a package and a video package, and say make a show. Like, you mm-hmm. know, by yourself in your house and in quarantine. And then uh, they put up the clips or the shows that you make up on YouTube and, and based on views and likes and shit like that. They pick winners. And then the idea was like every week somebody gets kicked off the show. And so, you know, when when they hit me up about it, I was like, um, yeah, f- I mean, I'm not stupid. I'm like, fucking be on TV. Like, I was raised by a television. So I'm like, the idea of being on TV is still interesting to me. Still, like, thrilling mm-hmm. and shit. Peels to the young Kev Smith. So I was like, yeah, I'll fucking do it. Everyone was kind of doing, like, you know, shows to camera. Two camera shows where they're like, hi, I'm this person. And mm-hmm. I do these things. I was just like, if we can do anything we want. Like, let's do a sitcom, man. Like, cause, that was like, so smart. Thank you. I felt smart. Uh, but really, you. it was selfish because I was like, I just want to, if I write my own sitcom, uh-huh. I can be like fucking Ralph Cramden. I could be the lead and shit, the Jackie Gleason of the shit. And since we're doing it at the house, I was like, everybody could be in it. And, it, the, you know, Austin moved in with uh, Harley uh, and us um, at the top of the quarantine. Mm-hmm. And he's absolutely fucking lovely. He's, he's really wonderful. Um, but like you know i'm the, having such deja vu you just big <laughs> we could say that now because you're 21 <laughs> um, anyways carry on it was uh it, now i forgot what i was talking about now <laughs> oh shit <laughs> perhaps they going shouldn't down give us people are like i thought this was about greens oh no, like, no 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 it's about greens oh <laughs> <laughs> um, no 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 we were talking about sun and lockdown sun and lockdown so um I, I said this is good fodder for a sitcom like you know he's fucking fo- this kid's foisted on us right as the lockdown begins we're all trapped in a house together and stuff so i said let's do that and i honestly figured honestly we'd do it once we'd get kicked off the show <laughs> and that'd be that like you know the hook was that sounds fun also there was a charity angle that like every week you stay on the show we donate money to charity and we picked the uh national black justice uh coalition so every week we get to stay on the show, charity gets money. But I honestly thought like we'd get kicked off by the second show. Um, so we started making these shorts called Sun and Lockdown with the premise being Harley moves, you know, her boyfriend Austin into the house at the top of the quarantine. The only difference is this Austin is a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hit the kids up with it. 
And I was honestly like, I thought you might be like, I'm not fucking doing that. I already did reboot. You've asked enough of me. <laughs> I've got to carry Millennium Falcon for the rest of my fucking life. Like hey, herpes. I love Millie. Yeah, me too. Um, so I was delighted when you were into it. And then that allowed like uh, me and Austin to hang out and get to know each other. We talked about it a little bit on the, on the ritual. So I episode. was right. Yeah, you're absolutely I wasn't just. But now <clears throat> we are knee deep in this. Now it's fucker. like, when's this going to end? Uh, this, yeah, Is this going to go on our whole life? not in a bad way where we're like, this sucks, but it's like, we, we're doing it again? Like, I, I know. All right. Uh, let's see what Austin does this week. It's just shocking every time. Like, wait, this is still happening? I, I, I can't believe it. Like, honestly, when I took the gig, I was like, there's no fucking way that, like, you know, I stick around. Particularly when I was like, oh, we're going to do something, like, off formula. Or yeah. I mean, there was no formula, but everyone, they, the thing they pitched was, like, you know, do a YouTube type show. But I was like, well, wouldn't it be fun to do kind of this? So people dig it, and it's been absolute fucking blast to mm-hmm. shoot with the family. Um, I think you cracked the code. A little bit for like five-minute sitcom and shit. I it, think you really did it. It's a, Thank you. Oh, my God. You're awesome. <laughs> it's formulaic. Well, it's it's, quite, fun, a, it's, it's quite impressive. Fun. Oh, you're adorable. That's because <laughs> I grew up watching so much TV. So I, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but we're still – and we're winning we're like number one although we're we recording this like so early by the time they hear it we might be thrown off the show and people are like listen yeah. to the hubris i like, thought they were mr and mrs tbs arlene brags about winning yeah, a show that she lost uh, the smith family kicked off the show <laughs> boyfriend kicked out um yeah it's it's nice that i don't know it's just fun and the weird thing that came out of it the weirdest aspect of all of this is that nan and pop like have become a bit of a thing like a little shocking it's the most shocking thing to happen harley the other day was like someone wants nan and pop merchandise i told mom that the internet was reacting that way and that like bella thorne and um jason mraz and tori spelling all shouted out (laughs) really on the show they singled them out to be like nan and pop are wonderful insane and and honestly like i'm so glad to hear that and stuff and it's really sweet but like i'm there doing a lot of dialogue (laughs) where's my where's my fucking like (laughs) compliment of course you would say that that's the most you thing i've ever heard in my life don't take away my grandparents shine I mean, <laughs> two people looking cute like, hey. people looking cute that's my grandparents are stars in their own right and they've waited their turn i'm so glad that they've chose this moment in my <laughs> life to flex and be like uh we're the real stars but i did i was just like yeah nana pop are great but what about <laughs> But what about me? Uh, what about me? <laughs> uh, you know who it's been a real panic for is your mother. Holy shit. She wants you to do the next one outside in her special uh, her special porch her with all garden. the plants. Yeah. Which we we did the next one we shot on that balcony, but we moved shit around and she got so pissy. Because she wants people to see her plants. But she was pissy that we moved shit around. She was like, why'd you move that? Oh, yeah. She like, told me. Uh, I'm making a fucking show. I don't <laughs> know if you plants. noticed, but you know, we've done a lot of weird things over the course of the last few weeks. She loves she was, her plants. She does. Well, I mean, I hope she loves her fucking husband first. But you know what? 
we love our plants too. And that hey. puts us right back on track. <laughs> People are like, when are they going to fucking tell us the V word? That's right, here on Vegan I Apple. forgot what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, first we fucking brag and bitch. And then <laughs> we and maybe we got a few minutes. <laughs> we talk a little activism. And um, so we should probably dive into it. Pull one of those uh, questions from your good old fan base, man. And let's hear what uh, folks want to know. Uh, a question that perhaps we can answer. And if not, turn to somebody far smarter than us to answer. So I had to experience this firsthand. I don't know if you've had to experience this. <laughs> you tell me. Fair enough. What do you do? If you have no options at a restaurant and don't want to be a pain for family slash friends, let's just travel back in time and take a moment to um, going to Morton's throw one up for <laughs> 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 me going to Morton's Steakhouse. I could not even <laughs> eat the salad because the dressing was not vegan. <laughs> um, what, uh, what would you do? I don't, I feel like you've never been in that situation. Um, uh, you know, I've been in situations, uh, particularly over the last like couple of years where, you know, others were eating, whether it was like eating meat or just eating. And yeah. I was like, oh, I'm on a thing. I'm doing a thing. So I don't mind being the odd duck out and shit, especially mm -hmm. when I'm like locked into a program. Now it also depends where we went. <clears throat> like well i guess this would if we went to like veggie grill i'd be like um, nom, 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 nom. but this story is predicated on us going to like cheesecake factory well i think this is like if say because this happens to me a lot what do you mean where like all i don't want to hear this shit how kids kids fuck with my daughters somebody giving you some shit yeah somebody's giving me some shit occasionally yes my friends very innocently mm. will suggest a restaurant that i can eat at and they'll be and they they won't know and i'll always look it up before we go and i always think you should not feel uncomfortable asking a friend or a family member to go to a restaurant that has both vegan and non-vegan options so everybody can enjoy Absolutely. Fair enough. if they are really what if you're not paying though if you're not paying then you don't get to i mean you don't get to fucking be like hey man we go to the more expensive place well no but i'm i'm just th that was not that wasn't that wasn't the question <laughs> <laughs> i don't need to get into people's fucking finances <laughs> this is not my issue this, this is not a podcast about financing <laughs> i'm in my world everyone's got money old man saying fair word that's not true you money. always make me seem like i like what, uh, yes, I live a very first world life. I <laughs> I live in Los Angeles. I'm a, I'm a vegan in Los Angeles. I meant in your idealized world, everyone had money. Okay, you're like Bernie Sanders. You're like a young Bernie Sanders. You're like everyone's got a universal basic income. Everyone's taken care of. Anyways, so I, <laughs> but I just think it's always very fair to ask to go to a place with both options because i think it's quite unfair to have to go sit and watch people eat mm. food that probably makes you uncomfortable and you can't even eat food that you're okay with true i get for some all right to be honest for me that wouldn't matter I, like i don't give a fuck if people eat like burgers or fucking chicken around me it's like i can't 
Well, I don't. I don't can't stop them. But no, and it I'm doesn't not make me go like, oh my them. god, I want that, and it doesn't offend me. Where I'm like, you sir, I fucking. It definitely doesn't make me want it, and it. It. I mean, it will. Depending who it is, it will sometimes offend me. Where I'm like, come on, you know, you you know better. So if it was, let's say, like fucking, you were sitting down talking to mom, mm-hmm. and like just like in the middle of conversation, she whipped out some bacon and started eating. Um, you would be like, what the fuck? I, I'd be pretty, I, I would be offended. I mean, number one, she hasn't eaten bacon in like fucking 20 years. Yeah. So number, you'd have to so kind of the irrelevant. mind fuck of that. Like, who are you? What yes. Are you, fucking Martian <laughs> that replaced my mother? But once you firmly established it was Jennifer, mm. you would be like, well, I never. And then, yeah. fuck But off. to be fair, yeah. you did that to me all the time. <laughs> you uh, to be fair, you're absolutely did that right. To I didn't me understand all the time. how you know um uh, hard it was to be vegan back then particularly when it wasn't really hard if we just would have went to places like veggie grill you were mean like sometimes about it though in what way oh is this what this podcast yeah is this is why i Put wanted to spot, start this it? podcast hold on i'm gonna pull out my file of grievances <laughs> that i've been waiting to fucking unload this go ahead you go first i'll go last i, I promise just... <laughs> I just I recall on some occasions yes. that you and and Pa yes. throw Pa into the mix. Oh, <laughs> what an oh. asshole! Oh. <laughs> Legendary My asshole! It goes Hitler, grandpa. Pa. Oh, <laughs> Didn't say that. Um, but Pa and I got in a fight one time because he was uh, like pretty mean about it. What do you mean? Because he was a goddamn Harley. We were at I a restaurant. We we were at a restaurant. Jenny, shut your daughter up. Hey, Pa is like the nicest man I've ever met. <laughs> well, apparently, except this one <laughs> except time. Except this one time where I he made I can't wait till you're doing a podcast mistake. with Pa one day and you're like, Pa, one time you <laughs> shut me down. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, pa, pa would remember. This was because Pa and I, I don't know if Pa and I have ever gotten in a fight previous to this. It was a big deal? This. this was a big deal. We were at Disneyland and we were at the Disneyland Hotel. <laughs> Once again, I was at Disneyland. I'm sorry. No, shut up. <laughs> I was at Disneyland, and we were at the Disneyland Hotel. And there's this <laughs> restaurant that's like a steakhouse inside the Disneyland Hotel. <coughs> but this, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> we was in the happiest I'm gonna throw, place in the world. I'm going to throw something at you. I was mad. I'm going to throw the metal ashtray at you. Just a cow. And I said, no, in my leather shoes. I said, no. <laughs> I threw something. <laughs> so wait, you you were at Disney. I was at Disneyland. Yes. If you would just <laughs> allow me a moment. <laughs> I can't believe there's a story in which Pop comes off poorly. There ever. is a story. Here's the story. Here's the story. Of a man named Poppy. <laughs> I haven't called Pop Poppy in like ten years, and it sounds really weird. It sounds so weird. Oh my god, that's Who had so- the audacity to eat some fucking meat. <laughs> I feel we like- were at Disney, and I really hate it. <laughs> I feel like you're subconsciously telling me that you are wanting to get into music because you because <laughs> you keep like making up songs. <laughs> my whole life, I've you're been talking up about songs. a rap love song. <laughs> um wait so you're at disneyland and pop's like let's go to the steakhouse we well okay here i go let me continue <laughs> I, I give the wheel um, back to you nan and pa used to really like because i would frequent disneyland with nan and pa mm-hmm. and 
Nan and Pa really enjoyed having breakfast at this steakhouse inside the Disneyland Hotel next to Goofy's Kitchen. <laughs> and, which was awesome. But the steakhouse <laughs> did not really have many options for me. And I didn't, we didn't know prior to going. So we went. And if you need to pause this to go cash your unemployment check, <laughs> feel free. And hey, back. I'm not fucking at the steakhouse at Disneyland Hotel anymore. <laughs> yeah. But it took a fucking quarantine and an international fucking lockdown to keep you from going there. But in any anyway, this is an adorable story because I work. I make my own money, you too. You know, I'm fucking knocking you for Believe me, I know. Um, but what I, I think is funny as fuck is. These people are fucking saints who are bringing you to Disneyland in the first place. No, well, I haven't gotten there yet. Okay, fair enough. My God. I'm just prejudging. But unless there's an angle of the story where you're like, and then Pop, he took out a knife and killed the cow himself. Oh, my God. Then I don't think he's going to come across poorly. Okay, well, he... I was I was in the position of that of the question that was asked, which I just realized I didn't even say whose question it was. Yeah, boy, oh boy. So it defeats Fuck the people. Fuck what they want to be. It defeated the purpose. They, they got to listen to my Disney story. This is first. such a mess. This Sarah, is such a mess. Sarah Holcomb. Maybe just while I'm What's the name? okay. Maybe just while I'm on. Okay, Somewhere, Ma- Megan some- Bryant six eight three. Megan Bryant this whole time has been like, oh god, please don't say my name, please don't say my name. Oh god, they said my name. <laughs> I'm sorry, Megan Bryant. Uh, okay, so okay, so Megan anyways, Bryant, I was. If I'm you, I'm charging Harley two hundred bucks for this hour of therapy, well, rather this fifty minutes of therapy that you're allowing it to be like this. End the time. Dip pop broke my fucking arm. This is the biggest mess of, <laughs> of an episode. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> People are used to that my podcast. I can't handle it. It's all over the place. I mean, the thing is, think about it. Like, if they're listening because of me, they're like, this is him all the time. Uh-huh. If they're listening because of you, they probably feel sorry for you because they're like, she's trying her best. <laughs> and him just wants to talk about That's true. all he wants to do is make fun of his kid. I'm just try- <laughs> I'm trying my best. Out but I here. do want to hear this pop story. I'm trying to provide useful vegan information (laughs) um anyways yes i was in the predicament that the question um was referring to Mm -hmm. of what do you do in a situation if you um are at a restaurant that doesn't have an option for you with family or friends you break your grandfather's heart no i um i didn't eat and then Pa was upset that I didn't eat. And Pa kept being like, why don't you just eat? Like, why don't you just eat here? Why don't you just eat meat? And I was like, well, I don't do that anymore. I can't. And he like got kind of mad about it. And then I got mad about it because I was like, Pa, I'm not going to eat. Um, and he kept trying to kind of force me to eat the meat there. And so, not force. He kept suggesting. He kept suggesting, and he didn't understand. But Pa and I got into kind of a fight because he wouldn't drop it. And like I was just trying to sit there and mind my own business while everybody ate their food. And then who's everybody? Who else is there? Nana. (laughs) Oh, this big crowd. (laughs) Um. 
Yeah. And then um Was there anything for you to eat on the menu? No, there was not a single thing. There Nothing. was not there was not an item. I asked and they said, No, ma'am, this is a steakhouse. There's not a vegan option. <laughs> and so I just had the ketchup. They're like, we put meat in that too. But Nan and Pa really wanted to eat there, so I wasn't gonna stop my grandparents from eating at the steakhouse next to Goofy's kitchen at the Disneyland Hotel. There's Mary, the blessed mother of God. Mm, and then and there's then me. <laughs> in terms of charitable women in history. There's me. Yes. And, but Pa just got really upset and really wanted me to eat meat. And I really wasn't Mind going you, to. Upset on this guy is like, you should really have something, Harley. No, but he was, a, he was, he was getting frustrated. Right. He's getting more frustrated than I've ever seen Pa be. Really? Yeah, no, it was it was bad. Um, and I was like, I had to stand up for my principles. Yes, and it was the first time. This isn't. This is gonna go in your memoirs and shit like this. This will go in my memoirs. It was a very. This was on par with you eating turkey at Thanksgiving and me cursing you. But silently. you didn't curse me to my face. No, silently. Well, then, to myself. Then that's not on par no, because apparently Pop was in on <laughs> is in on the conversation on the other one. Well. Um, no, it can't to me. I mean, look, you equate it as you want it to your life, but I can't see it as being the same thing because Pop was aware that you were in a thing. That's true. Whereas I was just silent. Well, I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what a lovely thing. <laughs> I thought I it was obvious. And she loves me. And- I thought it was obvious. I thought that one, that a very smart man such as yourself could figure that if no one else is eating meat, Harley, why would you eat meat? Who fucking told you I was a smart man? <laughs> I mean, haven't you been listening to your I mother for years? you a smart man. That fucking dumbass <laughs> made us dot, dot, dot. In, in some, in most aspects not all but in most aspects i consider you a very smart man i appreciate that uh well look i came you, i came to it years later and stuff but i i uh i can't i understand what pop was trying to do right because you were making a big life change and shit and you know in your head and heart you were like i'm this person now but mm-hmm. for your whole life you'd been this one person and you know he was like Oh man, like we dragged her to this restaurant. She didn't eat. Like she's got to eat. It came from a good place. I'm it sure. Did. It came from a good place and a guilty place. Yeah. And but you know. But then, like a few months later, cold shoulder. Not that long. He's pop. Yeah, I know. Way less longer than I give you the cold shoulder. Honestly, like I didn't. You, you weren't doing it well because I didn't even know you were mad until like two years later. No, I was more referencing the fight that we had at the beginning of court. Oh, that fucking. <laughs> we had a fight in the beginning of lockdown and shit and i was just like you know what it got to a place of whose fucking house is this man <laughs> it was really bad <laughs> um but that's how i that's what my cold shoulder looks like yeah i know i honestly didn't like getting it and it made me very I'm, I'm sure it made me sad on some level but really more than anything else it made me pissed where i'm like oh me mm-hmm. she's gonna be like that to me, who does this and this and this, like, no. oh, and it so a, I it was a rough got week on, in the household. <laughs> I just got on a high horse, so I was like, fuck her. It was a pretty rough week in the household. Um, <laughs> but what was I going to say? I don't know, but this is, it's no longer about veganism. It's about I, your therapy session. I really, <laughs> everyone fucked me over in this house, and Disney fucked me over by being closed. I don't get I, nothing that I want except that boy, him was good. He was on that show. 
Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith. Would you like to wake and bake with me like three times a week? Uh, would you like to hear me talk to my wife about intimate details about our personal life, which in 21 years of being married ain't really all that exciting anymore? Would you like to hear all the old episodes of Fat Man on Batman, where I used to sit down and record one-on-one interviews with people and stuff? Uh, do you want to listen to old episodes of Jane Silent Bob Get Old? There's one place where you got to go, man. Join me. At That Kevin Smith Club. That's right. If you go to thatkevinsmithclub.com, you can join as a clerk or a mall rat or a yoga hoser or a fun employee, man. There's all different levels. Uh, but you get access to really cool stuff, including cartoons nobody sees anymore, uh, stand-up specials nobody's ever seen, movies people don't get to see anymore. It's all right there in the Smithsonian screening room, man. And the uh, podcast library is deep, kids. It's deep, man, except for Hollywood Babylon. That's available over at the Ralph Report. So, for everything else, come to thatkevinsmithclub.com, man. And we want to club you. Don't you want to club Kevin Smith? Here's your chance. Thatkevinsmithclub.com. Um, all right. So, we answered the question. Yeah, there's the answer. The answer is, fuck them all. Even pop. No. What was your response? To what? That question. To Meg Bryant's question. Yeah, read the question back. What was what was her name? Meg Ryan? Megan Bryant six Bryant. Eight, three. Bryant. Oh, Meg Ryan listened to the show. I was like, Meg right Ryan. On, episode two? <laughs> Come on the show, Meg Ryan. <laughs> they said I'll have what she's having. <laughs> Thank you very much. Shut up. <laughs> they said, What do you do if you have no options at a restaurant and don't want to be a pain for family and friends? And your answer In was In my early days, you no. And you stare at Pop what and tell him, like, what's wrong? Um, <laughs> no, I'm going to just have things at my disposal to throw at you. At <laughs> what what is your you short speak. answer for her? Okay. At the time, yes. what I just more discovered as I was saying it. Yes. <laughs> at Which the is time, kind of like therapy. Yes. You just figure out what It's true. You're... I'm my own therapist, except yes. for my therapist who I've been seeing since I was 12. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've learned so much that I can do it myself now. Um, I, my, Nine years a therapist. Ow! That one's heavy, That one man. was kind of hard. I'm sorry. Yeah, what the fuck? You better go tell your therapist. You threw something heavy at me. <laughs> threw a yo-yo. What does that mean? <laughs> also, like why do you have asshole. a yo-yo? <laughs> um, it came from Canada. Niagara oh, Falls. Falls. It's um, a souvenir. Anyways, <laughs> what was the question? Oh, what did you just look at? My, <clears throat> you really want to know? Mm. My fucking agent, who I haven't spoken to in like years, just texted me. Be like, you around? I'm like, like I mean, I, the only weirder it would be is if like he'd be at two in the morning and was like you up <laughs> i haven't spoken to this dude in a long fucking time wow that's pretty sketch it, is, yeah, it just caught my attention i was like Bleh. hello um <clears throat> okay anyway so my realization was that as i was speaking i figured out that in the early days of my veganism mm-hmm. it was my um it was my instinct to just sit there and not eat right um, which then led to a fight anyway, so non-productive. But then, and so it was like a silent protest right. before I got in a fight with Pop because yes. I was just not, I was just peacefully not eating the food. Right. But now, four years in. Yeah, I opened my mouth. I would say, don't go to a restaurant if there are not options for you. What's the point? Why are you going to sit there and watch other people eat food that you can't eat if you can't fucking eat too? What's the point of that? I, don't. I am strong. Uh, no. I am exactly. I'm a vegan. 
Get out of my way, motherfucker. You do just want to be a, a musician. I was a about Muppet. to say magician. Really? I want to sound like, like a Muppet more That's- than anything else. Well, congratulations. You sound like a Muppet. Um, all right. So there you go. Yeah, someone asked a question and they got a 40-minute answer yeah. all about how fucking pop did you wrong. The guy who's like the sweetest man on the earth who's only ever man. done good things for everyone but, in this house. But also a few months later yeah. after that, yeah. I got a call from Nan and Pa while they were in Hawaii. Yeah. And they told me that they had been vegetarian for a week. So – and I was like, where did this come from? And they were like, well, we finally listened to you. And I was like, oh, where was this uh, state of mind, Dear Pop? listener, if I could, <laughs> if I was wordsmith enough to paint you the picture of the <laughs> smug expression <laughs> on this kid's face. <laughs> and she's like, and then they called me and I said, oh, it turns out I was right. I mean, it was a pretty prideful moment. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, pride goeth before the fall, man. Is that from the Bible or something? It sounded Bible-esque. It's that or it's from Batman. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> it's from the Bible. <laughs> if it's from the Bible, then fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> um, that is. I just really don't think I sound like that. <laughs> I, doesn't think she I think like that. Either. I think if it like Shecky sounds like that, maybe if anybody no, sounds like Shecky's it. more chill. She's like, "Oh, the man, I love him. Him, my hero. Hmm. Hey, everybody, do you know what the man did today? Mm. Him woke up. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> him just. Him never stops. Is that what she's saying all the time? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, "Oh my God, the man. Him went to the." How impressive. 14, 15 years in a row he'd been doing it. I see it every morning. (laughs) I'm so good at it. Big fan. Uh, You sat down and spoke to somebody. I did. Who? I spoke to my friend, um, Daniela Monet. Did you fucking tell her how much pop ruined your life? And I, uh, who knows? I might have. <laughs> tell you about a motherfucker called pop. Well, we shall see. Um, <laughs> she is my friend, but she is an actor. A ethical entrepreneur is the title she used. Which ethical I- entrepreneur, if I may break that down, means she, I like to make money, but not at the expense of the animals or environment precisely. or peoples. Which I think is pretty like a pretty cool title. It yeah, sounds pretty cool. cool. I think it sounds up there with vegan abattoir. And what like entrepreneur yeah like that could be a cool po- a, a cool it sister it's, podcast it's, it's uh a lot of alliteration certainly i'll say that that much. is true um but uh and if you're going to be an entrepreneur why not be fucking ethical for heaven's sakes it's true but she Although every other entrepreneur out there is like yeah see how long those ethics last okay well uh, <laughs> anyways um you know sugar taco love sugar taco the what place. she's got something to do with sugar taco yeah she's one of the founders i think investors says the host of the podcast she's one of them it's partially her restaurant that's we didn't we didn't actually talk about sugar taco i just said it because it's relevant to you maybe she ate there once no 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 no, i remember she passed it in the car shut up what else can i um wait so she she was at she has something to do with sugar yes um that's partially her restaurant vegan or it's vegan it's vegan partially restaurant her restaurant, and it's awesome, and it's just a lovely. They got restaurant. great beans and rice. Kid. She ha- <laughs> yes, they do. Um, she works with the brand Outstanding Foods, which has like bacon chips, vegan bacon chips, and stuff like that. They're like a snack food. Yeah, snack food. Um, and but 
to me what in the, what is coolest and this is what we spoke about the mo- the majority of the interview was that she co-founded a vegan and, and cruelty-free subscription box oh. with um fellow actor and vegan Ivana Lynch um mm-hmm. who plays Luna Lovegood in Harry Potter. Oh. Um she's good in those movies. She is, man. She's a vegan. She's so. vegan as well. She's vegan, yeah. Her characters seem like she would be too. Yeah. <laughs> um so they both founded together this company called kinder beauty and it's a a subscription box that is available pretty much all over the world um and every month you get a box of new cruelty-free cosmetic items and like subscription boxes are a huge thing but there's not a ton of vegan ones and this one is specifically vegan and cruelty-free fucking nice so you spoke to her for how long well, I spoke to her for a very long time. I spoke to her for like an hour. What's her name? Daniela Monet. Daniela, let me ask you something. Who was wrong, me or Pop? And here's the story. <laughs> I, I'm quitting. Uh, I'm literally quitting. You can't quit your own show. I'm going to quit. I'm quitting. You can't quit your own show. I'm quitting. No way, Pa's going to be my new co-host. <laughs> you, you, this is where it starts. Pa's my new co-host. What if Paul had a podcast? Podcast. A podcast. And he was just like, one time, Harley. my granddaughter <laughs> publicly humiliated me at Disneyland in a restaurant. I just wanted he her to have some food. He doesn't have an accent. Paul totally has a. Paul does not have an accent. You don't hear it. Paul has an accent. Does he? Totally. Should Paul be a guest on on Vegan Avatar? Um, yeah, you can talk about eating roadkill as a child. <laughs> Okay, well, he's come a long way. <laughs> he really has. Um, All right, so Daniela yes. is your and, – and I'm – unlike the rest of the show where I'm like, ooh, I want to hear my own voice. The beauty of this is just it's you and her. just me and her. See, that's the Good show. Good old me. <laughs> you, get that, you get a whole big Mwah. chunk of time where I'm not jumping in and stuff. And it's it's good. Um, much more topical than the last hour that we've been speaking. <laughs> oh, dare you. It's much more uh, directed towards the vegan <laughs> subject yeah, see, of which we're track. supposed to be talking about. Then that's smart. That's smart. Well done. <laughs> um, all right. Then here we go, man. Let's listen to – Daniela. She's an actress, activist, influencer, ethical entrepreneur, and all-around lovely human being. Welcome to the show, Daniela Monet. Oh, thank you, Harley. Will you explain to me how you got involved with veganism? So I've been vegan now for about, let me do the math real quick in my head, almost 17 years, 18 years. I didn't do it cold turkey like some people do. Um, I became vegetarian at the age of five. And that was really because I went to a dude ranch with my family. And at this dude ranch, um, there was a bunch of cattle and they held their own little rodeo and um, invited everyone who was staying on the ranch to come and watch. And it was, it was very... Uh, terrifying for me. And it was very shocking. And I saw, you know, their version of what a rodeo was where the cowboys basically like lassoed the cows and brought them to their, you know, flipped them to their backs by um, basically lassoing their feet and their their hands together and throwing them on their sides and then branding them. And um, I was just uh, very scarred by that experience. And I remember I was five years old. I asked my my dad, you know, what is all this? What's this about? And he, you know, kind of explained it in a way that 
made sense to me. And later that evening at this ranch, they served meat from the cows that they were raising. And it all just came like crashing in very quickly. And in that moment, I decided I'm never going to eat an animal. And luckily, you know, I had the support of my family. It wasn't always easy. Uh, my mom's side is is a hardcore Italian family. And my nonna at the time just thought I was basically like dying by not eating meat. <laughs> and so she did just about everything she could to, you know, hide it in, in our sauce or, you know, convince my parents that I wasn't healthy. And um, over time, everyone's really learned to accept and embrace me and, and in a lot of ways changed their lifestyle. It's pretty amazing that even at such a young age, you had such an awareness. No, it was exactly that. I remember looking around and thinking, why are people not like crying or screaming or trying to save these poor animals? So I felt very alone and confused and and kind of isolated. And I just feel lucky that it was particularly my dad, actually. My mom was was cool too, but I went to my dad and I remember him being honest and, and maybe not, you know, to the extent that like someone would be honest with you today as an adult, like this is really what it is, black and white. But he did explain to me that these cows were raised for, you know, our consumption and this is how they, I mean, I, to be honest, I think he was, he probably regrets the fact that I, I, I'm sure he regrets the fact that I witnessed that, but he's also very open-minded and, and fully supportive and without like their support, I would have never been able to make the choices I did at such a young age. Um, but it wasn't until I was about uh, two, how old I was 10 years old when my uncle was diagnosed with cancer. And at that point, it was a pretty severe stage of it. And so he was in um, hospice over at her, his house. And um, they had a chef come to the house to help prepare him some healthy food. And it was actually a vegan chef. And they were preparing all these vegan meals for him, um, essentially, while he was sort of on his you know deathbed. And because I was vegetarian at the time, my aunt introduced me to this chef and I got to make this really amazing, like, um, it was like a vegan Mexican, like casserole dish that was delicious. And she explained to me, you know, what veganism was. And it was basically just a little notch further than vegetarianism. And this is why, and, and this is why it's good for your health. This is why it's good for animals, the environment. And so at that point, I sort of started to just get rid of, you know, dairy as much as I could. And I read a book when I was in sixth grade <laughs> called Skinny Bitch, which is, um, it sounds really funny. It's actually a book about factory farming and the truths behind the food industry. And um, and it really broke it down for me in a way that was, you know, digestible for lack of better terms. <laughs> and I then decided, you know, I'm I'm already there. You know, I've, I feel like the signs are really just all in front of me. And it made it very clear that this was the direction I was supposed to go in. And it's been the best decision I've ever made. So you are the co-founder of the cruelty-free and vegan kinder beauty subscription box, which I honestly really do think is such a huge game changer, not only for the vegan community, but to really anybody who's looking to shop ethically, because you're making cruelty-free beauty easily accessible to people around the world. I was looking at your website and I was looking at all the places you ship to and mm -hmm. it, you, you're all over the map. One of my partners, Ivana Lynch, she's in the UK. And so, you know, we have uh, different, I guess, demographics that 
maybe know about us or follow us on social media. And so it was really imp- important for both of us to be able to meet the needs of of every of everyone pretty much everywhere because this is a global conversation that's happening and people globally want to be a part of the solution but we're not just specifically targeting vegans like vegans really are sort of like the low hanging fruit and I'm so grateful for all of their support because we probably wouldn't have had the momentum we had in the in the beginning and the jump of of launching um but since then it's really interesting to see um, and learn a little bit more about who our subscribers are, and it, it they're definitely not all vegans. They're people that that are transitioning in ways and transitioning parts of their lifestyle, and it's it's important to to give those people, you know options like this and not necessarily, you know, obviously we would never, but not necessarily like shame someone for not being across the board vegan, because I'm sure like, you know, and you've seen in your friends or even just like your family, people really do have to go through their own process. And some people just want to make good choices in certain departments of their life. And they want that to be, um, you know, enough for now. And we are a hundred percent, a hundred percent behind that because that is better than the alternative. So incredible. How did you and Ivana come up with this idea? Where did it come from? It's kind of a funny story. I like to say that we were um, sort of like matched. We were, (laughs) it was like a a little match made in heaven. Um, So they're okay. So, you know, we're, we're, Ivana and I are are supporters of PETA. I've been a supporter of PETA since I was, you know, very young. And I did my very first campaign with them, which was against dissection in schools. And I think at the time I was probably about 15 or 16 years old. So we've had a long run with PETA. And I know that there are some people that may, you know, have conflicting um, opinions and, and, in some regard, like maybe I, I do actually agree with with maybe some of your listeners who think PETA has like an abrupt approach. But needless to say, they do the work that I couldn't do myself. Um, like you said, <laughs> I, I like to approach things with you know compassion and not isolate people. But I think what PETA does is so important to the to the, our mission and to moving the needle. And um, we had a friend at PETA, Andrew Bernstein, who helped facilitate some of the talent and um, work out some of the campaigns and such. And so he approached Evie and I about working together on this cruelty-free box. And I'll be honest, I'm not, and I don't, I mean, I definitely wasn't, and I don't think I am to this day, you know, like a beauty connoisseur. And, and I, I would say that, and I'm not sure that Evie would completely agree, but I would say that both of us wouldn't call ourselves, you know, beauty experts by any means. But the one thing that we definitely had in common and strongly had in common was the fact that we both felt like there was a lot of confusion in the market in terms of finding those clear, answers to what is cruelty-free, what is vegan, what is the difference, where do I source these things, how can I trust them, what exactly is in these products that I'm using. And and so when Andrew approached us, we just thought absolutely for the mere fact that this is something that we need in our own lives. And if we are vegan and we feel like we know our space and we, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, then the people who maybe aren't or, you know, aren't doing the research 
research are, are there's, there's certainly got to be more confusion out there outside of the two of us. And, and sure enough, there was. And so it felt really good to come together as a team um, who was in it for, in my opinion, really all the right reasons um, to answer those needs. And so we created this concept that is kinder beauty that you know, not only facilitates amazing, luxurious, vegan, cruelty-free and clean, which is a whole nother step, um, products in a box um, delivered to your door. But there's such a an ethical mission behind it because more than anything, we wanted to be a part of the solution. And, we, and by doing so, we, we vowed to basically donate part of our proceeds from every single month um, to our favorite animal rights and environmental organizations. Um, so it's been a very, it's been, let me, it's been a labor of love. I mean, tenfold because um, anytime you start anything that you care a lot about, your whole heart goes into it, whether you were planning to do that or not. And um, so the three of us really do just breathe, sleep and and eat <laughs> kind of beauty right now. Personally, in my vegan journey, when I began, it took me a minute. And by minute, I mean probably like a year to realize that I needed to cut out um, cosmetics that tested on animals. It wasn't something that occurred to me. I, When I first went vegan, I changed my diet and then it didn't really hit me that I had to change anything else for quite a while. And that includes... Uh, my closet, giving away my leather and animal products, things like that. But the cosmetics really did not occur to me until later. Why Why do you think we've kind of chosen to overlook that as a society, just kind of breezed by the fact that a lot of the products that we put on our bodies and our faces, the, they're originally tested on animals who are tortured and have to go through terrible things and often end up dying. Why... Why is that so normalized and something people don't really think about? Well, um, I think the short answer is that these bigger businesses, these bigger beauty industry companies would do everything they could to keep us from knowing that. And the other thing is that they have a lot of power. They have a lot of reach. They have the money to make sure that they are constantly, you know, in our faces and that we, that, that they are familiar household brands. And in our defense, like a lot of these companies are sort of the OGs of the, of the beauty space, right? So like they're the, they're the companies and the brands that you saw maybe in your mom's makeup bag growing up or, you know, that like your grandma used and like, it's a, just a familiar, um, what you would imagine to be like a comfortable, like household product. And so it's really not completely our fault. In fact, it's really a shame that we have to do the legwork ourselves. And I think now it's, you know, maybe a little different. And sometimes I have to remember I live in a bubble. And so I, I know probably too much or I, I see too much um, or I see more than maybe the average person. And I'm sure a lot of people out there still don't know um, a lot of what's going on uh, behind the scenes of their products. But um, in short, yeah, I think that that's what it is, is that they don't want us to know. And the truth would really probably bring us all to a crossroads where we have to decide where we're going to spend our money and what companies we're going to support. And so they do what they can to maybe justify it and, um, and hide the truth. Yeah. I, um, I remember 
I went to Sacramento um, to lobby for the uh, Cruelty-Free Cosmetics Act with uh, social compassion and legislation. And mm, I remember that. Yeah, that, I, that was a really incredible experience, but it was also an absolutely um, very disturbing experience because really, I came face to face with the people that you're talking about. I... I'm to specifically name them. They, there were, um, representatives from Johnson and Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it was such a tension filled moment because we were walking through the halls and they were basically trying to argue with us. But the whole time I, I felt like I couldn't really speak because. I was just thinking to myself, you're here arguing to to keep your to keep your rules in place to protect testing on animals because you want to keep hurting animals because you can't think of alternatives. You can't you don't want to spend money on alternatives, even though it doesn't cost more money. It, it, it's absolutely affordable to to be a cruelty free company and. There are so many companies that have proven that time and time and again that there's really no difference in cruelty-free and animal testing companies. It's just whether or, choose you not, whether or not you choose to be ethical. And I came face-to-face with these people who were there fighting to keep hurting animals while we were there to, to fight to save them. And it just felt so disgusting to me, really, to like look these people in the faces and just... I, I just kept wondering if if they questioned what they were doing, what, if there was any thought in the back of their minds that was like, I am here fighting to keep hurting animals. There's something wrong with that. You know, it's interesting because like you mentioned Johnson and Johnson, and I think as just a normal, you know, everyday sort of consumer, the appeal that Johnson Johnson really works hard to have is that they are just that this family owned. Um, and that's really all you have to say, this family owned, long standing business, right? And and so as a consumer, who knows nothing more than what they try to, to tell you and show you um, is they they think that this is a trustworthy company that would never do anything like that. And it's really a shame because um, so many people would choose otherwise. I believe, I choose to believe that so many people would choose otherwise had they, you know, or, or if they were given the opportunity to know exactly what companies like Johnson & Johnson are doing behind the scenes. And to touch on the the piece about, you know, maybe the why as to why they don't, you know, make other adjustments. I, I think that all of it comes down to, obviously it comes down to money. Um, you know, making any sort of change is, is a, a huge, I guess, I guess complication or snag in their production line. And they, they just, I think for them, they have something that's worked for so long and has turned so much money out and it's trusted among so many consumers that why would they, you know, do something to, to change any of that if it would just mean that they, it would take time and, and maybe a little bit of like resources or sourcing out, you know, um, products that have been approved and don't need to be tested. Um, it's really a shame. <laughs> it is really a shame. It's a huge shame because 
Meanwhile, there are huge companies like CoverGirl who mm-hmm. did take the ethical step and did become cruelty-free. They're affordable, they're accessible, and they're everywhere. And I think that just goes to show that it is it's inconvenient to change the way you've been doing things for years, obviously, but it's possible because a huge company like CoverGirl made the ethical decision. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm seeing ads, you know, with their cruelty-free um, symbols and and maybe even just like, I think if I recall, like they're highlighting the fact that they are cruelty-free and they're leaning into that, which I think so many brands could really benefit from. There is a wide market who transparency is so key right now. We all want to know what we are doing, what we're spending our money on, what we're supporting, what we're putting on our bodies, you know, what the trickle effect is for every dollar that, that we spend. And, um, I think that cruelty, uh, that cover girl is a perfect example. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I would imagine that there, there has been an increase in their sales and whether they approached the cruelty free mission from a monetary place of a place of trying to be, you know, savvy and hit a different target market. Um, or if they're doing it purely because someone raised their hand and said, that's it, enough's enough. Like this, we are so retro. This is not thing. This is being, you know, testing on animals is, is not necessary anymore. Whatever way it was, I'm just grateful um, that this is becoming a known uh, thing that consumers want, that people are wanting this and that people are and these bigger companies are paying attention. Absolutely. I think it's so important. It's such a positive step in the right direction. Um, I remember when NARS announced they were not going to be cruelty free anymore. It mm-hmm. was it it shook me to my core because there were these companies that were making the ethical decision to move uh, towards being cruelty free. And then NARS came and reversed what the ethical decision they had made. And it, it, it was obviously for a monetary reason because they wanted to sell in China again. Um, But that just blew my mind how some companies could be moving towards cruelty-free and making the ethical decision um, and putting that above other needs. But then meanwhile, there could be companies going backwards. And then what's interesting is I wonder if uh, a company like NARS really understood the weight that that decision had. Um, Because I would imagine there was several conversations that led to that decision. One of them, which being, you know, what percentage of our consumers do you think cares this much about it? And is it worth risking their trust and their loyalty to gain the population of, you know, wherever else they're trying to sell, China being, you know, an example? I just think that... um, it's it's just at the end of the day, and this goes back to so many different facets of, of veganism, so much of this comes down to being greedy. And it's it makes me sad because there are so many ways that we could be doing things differently. Um, and I've learned so much about that by working with, with Kinder Beauty because we bring on so many partners 
that are that are relatively small companies. These are companies that care so much about what they're doing, what they're putting into their products, um, that the qual the the quality of their products far exceeds anything you'll find um, maybe in in big stores like an Ulta or Sephora, um, and and yet they don't have the means to reach the people who would want so badly to support, you know, this company, not just for the fact that they're like a small company and they really do deserve it because they're doing things right. But because, you know, as consumers, we just care about what we're using on our face, our face, our body, our skin, everything. It's like a sponge, you know? And so we do have to think about, you know, aside from even just it being an ethical product that, doesn't use, you know, animals to basically, I guess, I don't know what the right term is, but like that we are taking the cruelty out of it. I think more importantly, um, we all just want to support companies that are ticking all the boxes. I I don't know about you, but personally, and I think even just recently, um, I've looked at a lot of the things that I I do spend my money on, I mean, with a fine-tooth comb. If it's not something that's necessarily like a necessity or if it doesn't, you know, tick enough boxes for me, I feel like I could do without. And so with Kinder Beauty, we care about the things that are going in our boxes to another level. We want to work with people who care just as much, that are also trying to move the needle, that are also um, doing more good than just trying to excel as a business. Yeah. And I I think that's so important as a company. And I've been introduced to so many companies that I now love through Kinder Beauty that, like you said, I wouldn't find in a bigger store like Ulta or Sephora, but that I'm so thankful to know about now because I agree with their ethics much more and, and they do tick those boxes. And that is becoming much more important to me the more aware I become. At, at the beginning of my veganism journey, I, I had no idea. And it wasn't that I cared, but I just had no idea. And I think that can apply to a lot of different aspects of veganism for people or animal rights. Just nobody really knows or they're they're told their whole life to, to forget that mm-hmm. like kids ask all the time, what, where do did this meat come from? And right. they're they're told to forget about it because that awareness does come up once in a while. And you're like, wait, why am I doing this? Because I've been told to for so mm-hmm. much of my life. But wait, why? And it is so important for companies to really push what they stand for. That's that's why I, I really do appreciate what CoverGirl is doing right now, because like you said, they, they really are pushing that they're cruelty free. And whether it's for a monetary reason or not, it's they're still pushing that and they're being very open about where they stand ethically. And I think being open, standing for what you believe in and making that knowledge accessible to everybody so that you're we're not, you know, living in the unknown or living in ignorance. Um, I think that's super important. And I, I really appreciate that value that companies have if they're willing to be open and honest about where their products really come from, what they go through. 
Absolutely. I think what would be really nice, and I'm sure we're a little ways out, but it's definitely on the cusp is, yeah, like now asserting ourselves and making it known that we want our products to also be vegan. Because cruelty-free, yes, that is a huge leap. And yes, that is so important to take animals out of testing facilities. But making products vegan would mean that we wouldn't have any animal byproducts in our in the beauty industry at all, which I think would be amazing. And that's like a whole different thing. I, that I always say that veganism is such a journey because I really learned all of this as I went. I didn't know that my cosmetics had to be cruelty free, but then after that, I didn't know that they had to be vegan either. I didn't think about that. And there's just so many things that you really have to become aware of. I think veganism, I always say at its core is about compassion, but it's also about awareness. You have to really open your eyes to look at what you're doing. Sure. And I was the same way, just so you know. I mean, I was vegan um, by, you know, definition, by what I ate. But it did take me a while, especially being in the entertainment industry, to really figure out where I stood and where I drew the line. And I think eventually the line just went away altogether. But it it did take a, a while because I'm sure you understand too, you know, I would be on sets and and maybe once I converted my closet over to being fully vegan, um, you know, like no vegan belt, no vegan, you know, or I'm sorry, no leather belts, no leather shoes. Um, probably I had a leather jacket at one point, you know, and once I made that transition, I had to have the confidence to, to say, you know, at work, like, no, I, I won't, I won't wear that. Um, and that was, that was a challenge in itself. <laughs> and that's, that's many steps after just deciding you're going to go vegan, um, dietarily wise. That's even a word dietarily. That's probably not a word. <laughs> but I know what you mean. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Um, there, I actually, that was an exact question from um somebody on instagram from oh really underscore lovely princess tiger lily underscore which is a very fun username said cute how do you do costumes as a vegan does it bother you wearing non-vegan while working and personally for me i haven't gotten to that confident standpoint yet i at this point i I I don't wear any animal products. I have no animal products in my life, in my personal life ever. Um, uh, Food-wise, clothes-wise, cosmetic-wise. But when I'm acting, I haven't really gained the confidence to say no yet to that. Because I I will upfrontly, at the beginning, when I I book something, I'll, I'll... let everybody know, hey, if it's possible, it's definitely preferable for me to be in vegan clothing and to have cruelty-free makeup and hair, which in the hair and makeup, I I find is something that's, I I always kind of end up being able to to get uh, production to use cruelty-free cosmetics for me, which I always really appreciate. but clothing is seemingly harder in my experience. And there have been times where they've been like, hey, honestly, it's not really looking like 
like we're going to be able to find a vegan alternative. And I've kind of put it in terms for myself to be okay with it, um, to be okay. Well, I'm not being myself. I'm playing a character. So I'm going to have to step away from my values for the time being while I'm being this other person. So it's okay if I'm wearing an animal product, because at the end of the day, it's not necessarily in my control and that it's either that or like I walk away from a project I really care about. Um, so for me, it's kind of I'm not really at the step yet where I can confidently say like, no, I'm not going to wear this, which I'd love to be. Um, but I haven't personally gotten there yet. Well, first of all, no problem whatsoever. I would never, ever think I, for, I understand. Let me just start there. I totally understand. Um, and I took that same approach where actually, to be um, honest, I had, you know, whoever was repping me, my manager agent, like kind of like make that point clear before I had to. Yeah. Um, so it was sort of just like a there was an understanding. Um, but I will preface that with it. It's not black and white. Like I, I've all, I've definitely come into, um, my own and had confidence with, you know, how I feel and, and my beliefs. And I all assert myself if I feel like, like, for instance, I, I, I will never wear fur, you know, there's things that I would just blatantly like never do. But, um, the thing about wardrobe, and I think this is an important tip or, or, I guess, fact is a lot of this wardrobe is recycled. So, I have a different stance when I know that something has had, you know, multiple uses. If it wasn't like, you know, bought for me and it was just going to be used and then probably like discarded or wherever it was going to end up, that would really bother me. Um, but I, I listen, I'm not, I'm pretty understanding. I know that at the end of the day, you know, and I could probably speak for both of us, like we do our part and we have, continue to do our part, even when it may not be challenging or may not be the popular choice. So there are definitely times where, you know, you just have to like roll over a little bit and specifically for a job when you're making money, like I, I, I know that where, where I spend my money, um, is also a very important way of, of voting for veganism. So if I, you know, for instance, book a job and I may have to compromise some of my, you know, ethics because I'm wearing this or that, I can justify that knowing that these jobs are crucial in helping me to do the things that I, you know, want to do, um, you know, in my activism work any step you take towards veganism matters and it and it does do something pretty much whenever i post something about veganism there there are people telling me like oh i'm going to go eat five oh, more yeah. steaks today because of you or some shit like that yep. which at this point is just kind of funny to me but whenever mm -hmm. i do post about animal testing everybody seems to agree upon it at our core we would all love if we could live our lives and not have to change a thing and there was no such thing as animal cruelty. I really, I really want to believe that people would, if it meant that they didn't have to change anything, they could live the way that they wanted to, then they would support that movement. 
And I think the beauty industry and cosmetics and, and everything that goes into it is a perfect example of someone feeling like they don't have to give much up. If it just meant that the animal wasn't tested on, they would still have the same products that there would be nothing that really changed. Um, so there would be real no sacrifice, like no sacrifice on their part. Um, so I think that people can all sort of agree that let's just not. And that would be great because then we would still have exactly what we had before and it would just be a kinder choice. Um, these are some sure. questions from some more people on Instagram. Um, so cool. hot take from Monique Elizabeth. Is honey okay if it's from a farmer's market and ethically sourced? Well, I have my opinion on honey. What's your opinion? Um, I mean, to keep it short and sweet, <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't eat honey. I don't consume it. Um, even if it is from a farmer's market, I believe that um, there's a lot of things going on environmentally and I don't like to, I choose to not put any sort of stress on the bees. We all pick and choose our battles and there are so many ways of putting, um, I guess, like a hard line in the sand. And I think if you are going to be lenient with anything and you're going to buy it the most ethically way that you can. Um, again, like I'm not, I'm not anyone to judge regardless, but you know, at that point it kind of just is what it is. And I think over time we're all going to have alternatives because we really won't have a choice just based on like our planet's needs. So, um, so it just comes down to like people choosing to make other choices when they're ready at heart, I think I made the decision and I still make the decision because of my moral um, compass, so to speak, and how much I care for animals. I think since having a child and wanting to, you know, have a family, I care a, a lot more about the environmental reasons now as well, just because of the mere fact that I just want this planet to be healthy for them. You know, I have a huge responsibility. I'm a trifecta man now. <laughs> it's like, it's like the animals were the gateway and I'm here for you. I've got your back, but my goodness, there's really no reason not to be vegan when you think about your health. And especially in these times, I mean, goodness gracious, I, I'm so much more aware of, you know, what I'm putting in my body. And, and, I, and a lot of the time, you know, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not an extremist when it comes to like health by any means. Like I live my life and I, and indulge and I think, you know, I'm vegan. And, and sometimes I think that's enough. You know what I mean? Like I'm not going to limit myself um, all the time, but there are exceptions where I feel like, you know, environmentally there are things going on that may be out of my control. I need to focus on, you know, the basics. And that comes down to like just eating bright, colorful, beautiful foods that carry all the right nutrients and vitamins that are going to keep me healthy and safe. Um, and that's definitely been more on my mind now. The, this one is is another hot take from Spicy Chickpea. They asked tips for dating non-vegans. I date oh my a non-vegan. You yes. are, are married. I, I don't. Is your man vegan? Is he Wait, so you date a non-vegan. How long have you guys been together? A while now, right? We've been together for eight months now. And Aww. he, at the beginning, 
I mean, not to like call him out, but also to call him out, like at the beginning of our relationship, um, it, it was like one of the first times we hang, uh, we were hanging out actually, and it was his birthday and we were at, um, uh, Yamashiro with a bunch of his friends and everything. And he got the steak and he was kind of like poking fun at me and we didn't really know each other at this time. So I don't really, I, I it, it's in the past now, but he was, you know, kind of making it a joke. Um, and now he's been pescatarian for five months. So he has grown so much, even in our short time together for eight months. He's he went from being somebody who was waving steak in my face to somebody who is pescatarian and trying to go towards vegetarian and and closer to vegan. So I've watched him go through that transition, but it was not always like that. And it was incredibly unpleasant at the beginning um, Mm -hmm. to, you know, have to have him kind of make a joke out of my morals because he didn't understand where I was coming from. And now he's completely he's a million times more conscious and compassionate about it um but it it was going back to uh, what we were saying earlier it's just that he didn't know he didn't have awareness which i think a huge part of veganism is we've been together almost nine years and i will tell you right now you've made a lot more progress in eight months than i ever did okay (laughs) so um so andrew's now been uh vegan for about nine months and it took him that long yeah and you know i will say this like as tricky as it was being in a relationship with someone who did something so differently than you did and what felt like one of the biggest parts of my life. Um, yeah, it was a challenge, but I, I really work hard to not feel any sort of judgment towards people because I really believe that people will make adjustments in their own way and in their own time. And maybe that doesn't mean become a hundred percent vegan, but any sort of adjustment like we spoke about is an adjustment. And if they're doing it for the the right reasons, whether it be health environment or environmental or moral, um, I, I stand behind it a hundred percent. So I knew in my heart that he, you know, loved animals and yeah, that was confusing for me to really understand, but he, he, he came to it in his own way and it was without my, um, I, I mean, I'm sure I had some sort of influence because I've been in his life this long, but it was completely on his own, which he needed to feel, um, to know that like it was his decision and, and rightfully so, because every day as a vegan, you ultimately are deciding for yourself whether you want to do this, you know, for yourself or not. So, um, yeah, it's been nine months and, um, and I think to answer this girl's question, like, I think just try so hard to, to have an open mind because you being an influence in this person's life, even if it's just by living your, your life as a vegan and not necessarily having to share too much about how you feel that does plant a seed. And so I, I just say, if, if, you know, love prevails, try to be open-minded and, um, 
And I think at some point there will be some sort of mutual understanding on, on some level. Uh, first off, wonderful interview, but just one, and, and also she's interesting as hell. One issue though. Hmm. She's got connection to sugar taco. You never talked about sugar taco whole time. I'm like, soon they're going to talk about the beans. Right. Soon they're going to talk about the rice. Um, my, you were so up her ass about everything else. What? Sugar taco. <laughs> That's forgot, the information man. I was craving, man. I forgot. I'm so sorry. Uh, you're a newbie kid. It don't matter. You, hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was uh, that was awesome. She's great. So hopefully you've learned something about veganism. Probably not. <laughs> probably. Probably you know a lot about pop. Fucking, and what a what a bear he was at Disney that one time. <laughs> And I don't mean a country bear and a jamboree. Oh my God. I mean like that bear from the Revenant and shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't stop laughing. Uh, there it is, kids. Hopefully you've enjoyed spending time with uh, a girl and her dad. Uh, <laughs> you're on. It's so funny. <laughs> vegan Abattoir. For Vegan Abattoir, I'm Kevin Smith. And I'm Harley Quinn Smith. Get out of our Vegan Abattoir. Oh, baby, oh, baby. Bring me back to you.